Hello, everyone, and thanks for coming back to World Forge. World Forge is a podcast by creators and for creators, where we use random prompts to invent just about anything you can imagine. Together, we'll make heroes and villains, ancient monsters and magical cities, and our hope is that we can inspire all the other creators and storytellers out there listening to do the same. So without any further ado, I'm Piper. And I'm Sam. And welcome to World Forge. Hello, hello, listeners, and welcome back to another long-awaited, I, I hope, episode of <laughs> World Forge. Um, it, it feels as though, Piper, it's been like a month since we've recorded. I think it has been. I think it has been. A month since we've recorded. <laughs> yeah, I think it has been. Um, we've had, God, we've had a lot going on in our lives. Um, Ooh, if, it's been exciting. Yeah, if, if you follow us on Twitter, you've maybe seen some of the updates, or if you've just been a, a diligent listener, we've talked about this a little bit, but we bought a house. Yay, um, and we moved into said house. We did move into a house, and it's taken up every waking moment of <laughs> our free time. But so, it's been nice. It's yeah, been so fun. It, it has, it's been wonderful, um, but uh, yeah, we, we unfortunately, we haven't been able to get into the studio until... Today, on <gasps> Easter Sunday, wow. our, our welcome back. We returned like World Jesus Forge has from risen. the Grizz- Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we're, we're excited to be here again today. And, uh, yeah, a, a few quick little updates here, I guess, just mm-hmm. on sort of the, the status of the podcast. Um, we have been running a few rerun episodes lately. We are hoping that now, finally, we have a studio again we can get back to weekly recordings here. We're mm-hmm. probably going to have shorter episodes for the next couple weeks, but we are fully in the swing of things again. We're even going to be bringing in a few guests probably in the Ooh. next couple of weeks here that we're, we're very excited to have. So yeah. yeah, that's where we're at, I think, yeah, with the show. Definitely. Yeah. Sam, speaking of our, our studio, do you want to describe the room that we're in right now? Because it's one that I'm very, very proud yes, of. I, I would love to. We're actually, you know, I say now that we're back in the studio, but we're technically in a temporary studio mm-hmm. right now, which is... Uh, taken the form of Piper's beautiful office. My home office. Yeah. Oh my God. It's been my whole life recently. Uh, I've painted. <laughs> I've hung lights. I, I hemmed my own curtains. Yeah. This is my little space absolutely. and I'm, I'm absolutely in love with it. Piper languished for years officeless uh, in our last apartment. It's so and, true. Uh, <laughs> now, it's so that, sad. now that we're in a house, she finally has her own little space instead of the closet that we kept her in when, exactly. uh, when we weren't recording. So yeah, it's <laughs> and, nice. <laughs> yeah, it's been great. I, I recently hung... Um, um, a bird feeder right outside my window. And most days when I'm working, it's actually very hard to concentrate because I just see these little birds that are sitting on the electrical wi- uh, lines that go from our house to the source. I don't know. <laughs> the, the power <laughs> the line. Si- yeah, they go to they go to Skynet <laughs> where all of our electricity comes from. Yeah. <laughs> and these birds have just been my uh, constant companions these last few days. Well, they're getting into like savage fights constantly. <laughs> yes, they're either chasing each other around the yard or they're singing little songs or they're building nests where they shouldn't be building nests. Yeah. So it's been a lot of entertainment, Yeah, but I'm very happy to know these birds. Yeah. They are new friends. It's real fun. Speaking of places where birds hang out, <gasps> this is a segue if Ooh. ever there was one. Yeah. Uh, this week, we have a, a lovely little topic inspired by some of the lovely little experiences that we've had in our new house. Uh, I'm actually, I'm in the process of building a raised uh, little garden here in our backyard. We, we chopped down about like eight metric tons of wood yesterday that was overgrown <laughs> into our backyard. And uh, we're going to put a, you know, a raised planter box back there, make a nice little garden. And we thought, what a fun topic to have, uh, because we're always looking for, you know, more locations in our games that are interesting downtime places to go. And that doesn't necessarily mean that a garden has to be a downtime location. I think that's one of the Could interesting things. In yeah, exactly. Um, you know, my brain kind of goes to like clue style, you know, you have the the study and the library and then the garden would fit in there perfectly, right? Totally. As a place for a mystery to happen. In yeah. that setting, it would definitely be like the conservatory. Absolutely. But Absolutely, a conservatory yeah. is simply an indoor garden. Yeah, it, obviously. <laughs> Duh. Duh, of course. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think that is, there's a lot of 
fertile ground here, if Ooh. you will. <laughs> Didn't creation. know we're getting spicy right off the bat. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I think we can do a lot with this topic. So Piper and I will each be creating our own garden space that, yeah, it may be an interesting downtime location for your players to kind of relax and recover mm-hmm. and uh, recreate. Yeah. Uh, and it may be the the spawn, uh, the seed mm-hmm. of a fun little adventure on its own. So, uh, yeah, we'll see if we both end up in the same space with that. I think I'm going to try to, whatever you do, I'm going to try to do the other one. Okay, <laughs> yeah. So we kind of have both sides of that coin covered. I like the idea of a garden. I, I'm kind of not leaning towards it being like a down play, a downtime place. Yeah. I like the idea of a garden being a, I don't know, a, a source of, of power, of resources, of secrets, yeah, a I sanctuary like of some kind. Perhaps it is a beautiful prison, a gilded cage that someone yeah. is trapped inside of. Absolutely. Um, but I, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to explore this because I think gardens can be incredibly personal things based on the gardener who makes them Absolutely. and maintains them. Well, and I think it's especially interesting in, say, like a Dungeons and Dragons setting where you have you know, characters that can be built entirely around a connection to a specific natural place, right? You know, we have mm-hmm. druids and rangers that their their skill set is defined in a lot of ways by where in nature they come from, whether it is that they tend this place or they traverse this place skillfully or they're protectors of this place. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's a really kind of powerful connection to have. I think yeah. that's really neat. If you are able to really flesh out that location, mm-hmm. Your your players are gonna want they're gonna they're gonna want to learn more about it. You yeah, know, they're no, gonna definitely. say why is this place so important to this character? Yeah, right. I also love that it can be a source for many different things. It can be, I mean, not just maybe it's a vegetable garden, it's food, but maybe these plants are grown to heal you. They're all like sources of yeah. medicine or or bases yeah. for potions or magic spells. Absolutely, it actually makes me think of. I think it might have been like a, either a big little story on YouTube, or it was like a BuzzFeed thing. But there was a garden, I think it's in the UK, and it's like called the Poison Garden. Oh, and yeah, I every, remember that. I think yeah, it was a big little story. Yeah, every plant there is something poisonous that can kill you. <laughs> and I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I actually, what, what it makes me think of is... The idea of like a, you know, a witch's grove, mm-hmm. sort of, where you have all of these plants that you use for, yeah, for making potions and as spell reagents and things like that. There was actually, there's a really cool, this is going to be a, a strange reference. There's a really <laughs> cool Minecraft mod for like Minecraft 1.6 or something like that. I think it stopped being supported uh, called Witchery. Mm-hmm. And the idea behind it is it, it adds in this whole other aspect to the game where you can, you can cast magic from a bunch of different schools of magic there's like you know hexes and curses and there's um you know like like shooting lightning type spells Mm -hmm. things like that but there's also nature magic and the way that you get power for nature magic is you build an altar and the more plants you have around it it draws magic from those plants and whenever you're near your altar the more plant energy that's going into it the more power you have for spells I like that. it's a really really interesting thing and you know you have to go all over the place and gather these different plants and different plants have different energy levels that they can kind of feed in and different effects and there's you know some plants you have to there's you know like a shrieking mandrake or whatever mm-hmm. that when you pick it it makes a little nasty little baby that runs around and you have to <laughs> fight it or there's you know giant walking ants and things like that awesome and when you kind of collect all of these things you can have a fully powered magical sort of substation here Very that, cool. that gives your, your spells energy. You know what that just made me think of? You talking about Ents. Um, I like the idea almost of a magical garden where it's the gardeners are like plant people. Yeah. And it makes me think of how a plant... Uh, they're often referred to here as nurseries. Yeah. Like, and I like the idea for them. It's like, this is literally where we grow our babies. Exactly. Like, these are our children. Well, Piper, you've opened a terrible and wonderful door for me to talk yet again about the tragedy of the Entwives. Because that is what the <laughs> Entwives were. The, the Entwives, uh, having gone missing after thousands of years from, from Middle Earth, uh, they were the tenders of the forests. And they were the ones that they basically planted new Ents, essentially. Mm-hmm. And when they left... There stopped being new ends. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, you know, that's just one aspect of this tragedy that, you know, Treebeard is looking for the Entwives and he sings his his mournful dirge yeah. about where for did the Entwives go? I, I've searched all high and low all across Middle Earth and we, we don't know where they are and we never find out because... Mm-hmm. 
Tolkien died, <laughs> and he didn't answer that question for us. Maybe first. the Entwives got on one of those uh, fairy uh, elf boats and they sailed off to elf yeah, heaven. To, to Valinor, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I, would, I would hope so. They all maybe... got on an Ent cruise, and then they had such a fun time, they decided not to come back. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> or, you know, like Yavanna took them back into yeah, heaven or something like that. Um, I, I wonder, though, what would an Ent think about being on a boat made of wood? Would that be sort of a, you know what I mean? It's sort of like if I murdered a guy and then just... <laughs> sat on him while we floated down the river um <laughs> like swiss army man style <laughs> well you know i i'm sure they'd have to deal with a lot of things if they encountered anything of human yeah, make since I many suppose. human things are made of or elven things are made of wood yeah so i suppose gotta deal with it yeah but uh suffer in silence yeah just like witches are made of wood uh <laughs> yes i i i'm so glad any opportunity i have to talk with the antwives happy to mm-hmm. to take but I will restrain myself <laughs> and leave it at that that one little... This doesn't need to be an entire episode about the Entwives. No. Um, um, but I can take it back real quick and mention... Do. Yeah. Uh, so earlier when you talked about a witch's garden, uh, that actually relates to one of my examples that I had come up with, which Ooh. is a garden that we don't actually really see except briefly in flashback. But in the musical uh, movie adaptation of Into the Woods, yeah. um, it's Meryl Streep. She plays the, the evil witch. They told me not to take the baby but i did (laughs) exactly i love uh she talks about her magical garden which is like she's got all of these vegetables and that's why she curses the baker and his wife and his whole family yeah uh because here uh the baker's father when uh his wife was pregnant he climbed over the fence and he stole a bunch of vegetables because that's like kind of what her like cravings were for yeah and the witch in her little song she's like i could have like let him go it's fine but he stole my magic beans and so she's like that's why i cursed this guy and i love the idea like that maybe all of the vegetables in her garden are like part of some kind of magic spell yeah, maybe but it's the beans that are re- what's responsible for making her look like eternally useful yeah. and beautiful just another example of the the bourgeois stepping on the proletariat. You know, this this poor hungry farmer just couldn't couldn't catch a break. He goes and steals from the wrong witch, and she uh, she sentences him to a life of being cursed. Yeah, yeah. I just kind of love the way that in that opening song. That just like thrusts this character in like suddenly, like literally they're just having a daily conversation. They look out their window and he says, oh, it's the witch from next door. And it could just be like a thing you say about someone you don't like. But then the door is like blasted off its hinges. (laughs) She comes in in like a cloud of smoke and she's like, guess what? I cursed your family and now you have to do a magic spell for me. And it's like, why are you coming here now? Like, why did you wait this long? (laughs) Yeah, I, I actually do. You know, it's funny. The idea of just saying, oh, the witch next door mm-hmm. is actually hilarious I to love me. it, yeah. I really like taking that fantastical element and making it just so mundane like that. Maybe that actually is a kind of a direction I'll try to go with mine is it's just... The, you know, that kind of weird neighbor that lives down the street. But, you know, it's just like normal. Everybody has one and everybody yeah. has a weird witch in their cul-de-sac, right? Like, <laughs> right, That's just exactly. kind of how it goes. Uh, I think that's fun. I like that too. Um, speaking of weird, fantastical things, the first, <laughs> the first recommendation that I have actually is, God, okay, almost as much as I love the Ents and the Entwives, I love <laughs> this maniac, uh, Hieronymus Bosch, the, I guess, I don't know what like era of painting he, he would be, but all of his paintings are these really, they're just so dense. There's mm-hmm. like a million things going on in them and they're all paintings of like the end of times and, <laughs> you know, the intersection of heaven and earth. But the specific painting that I want to talk about is the Garden of Earthly Delights. <laughs> and it, just go and look at any painting by Hieronymus Bosch and there's it's like an I spy book or like a where's Waldo you'll spend hours looking around each of his paintings and every single they all have you know thousands of in you know little like scenes within just the one painting mm-hmm. and you can spend an hour just looking at any one of them right exactly um, and you're like is that a scrubble? yes exactly. or just a beach towel <laughs> Uh, also go look at uh, Werner Herzog reads Where's Waldo that's a fun little thing but um, no the the Garden of Earthly Delights is I think it's supposed to be this like kind of like weird orgy garden or something like that Uh, because there's just a bunch of like nudists running around in it but they're also the shit they're getting up to is so weird like a bunch of them are like riding on flying horses that are carrying tiny little turtle men and then they're also (laughs) holding a tree above them that a bird is like freaking out on or like a little toad is watching a dog do a handstand or a bunch of dudes are rolled up into like a little shrimp cornucopia that's being carried around. But there's just, <laughs> and there's a cat sitting on its back. Yeah, and there's, exactly. <laughs> like every little thing that happens in this is just like 
what? Um, There's like a naked man yeah. riding a duck and making out with a nymph at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's delightful, honestly. Uh, yeah, it's there's really nothing else to say about it. Go Google Hieronymus Bosch, The Garden of Earthly Delights, uh, and try and tell me you can't glean some sort of inspiration from something that's going on <laughs> in that stupid and wonderful painting. Oh my gosh, crazy uh, sex yeah. garden. <laughs> yes, that's a great uh, thing we need in every D&D campaign. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing weird about that that uh, table <laughs> energy at all. So one thing, I, I kind of have a question for you for my next one. Yeah. Um, and this question is, how do we define a garden? Uh, because yeah. one of the things that came to mind when I was trying to think of gardens in pop culture and fiction, I thought of the hedge maze in The Shining. Oh, that's a great one. And yeah. I wonder if that counts as a garden. I it mean, has to be tended by someone. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I suppose if we look at this from different perspectives, right? If you live in Texas or in a desert somewhere, you could have a rock garden, True. right? Because yeah, you can't really right. grow the same types of plants you would think of maybe in a quote unquote traditional garden you know yeah i i think there's a lot of different ways you could do it or you know like a zen garden right mm-hmm. where it's all sand and a big rock and maybe one big freaky bonsai tree or something yeah um definitely. i think i think if we maybe define it for our purposes at least as any space that is curated any natural space that is curated by an individual or like cool. a group of individuals cool. i think is what i would consider a garden i like that yeah yeah then i would definitely go with the hedge maze from the shining that's a great one and yeah. i like that one that i i think the hedge maze kind of acts as sort of like like a portal between reality and the kind of freaky, bizarre kind of ghost and like dead world uh, that we see at the Overlook Hotel. Because like at, at some points, you know, we see the mom and, and Danny yeah. walking through it and it's totally fine. But then definitely at the end of the movie, you know, as you're running through it and then we see similar things in uh, the sequel, actually. Um, Dr. Sleep. Dr. Sleep, which yeah. we just watched. It's very, very good. Yeah, shockingly good. Yeah. If you like The Shining, you should watch Dr. Sleep. Yeah. Um, but they kind of return to that setting. And it just, once you're in it and like in after the events of the movie, you know, it feels as if this is not just a maze anymore. This is like, there's something magical about it or something unnatural about it. Yeah. Like you'll never get out. You're just going to be trapped in there forever. It's kind of become this like prison, this loop. Who knows? But I just, those are kind of the vibes that I get from it. And I think that's really cool. Totally. And, you know, I think what stands out to me the most about it, to kind of distill it down maybe into one sentence is, it's a place that when you go in there, the rules change, right? The yeah. the, the rules of physics and, and reality and magic or whatever the, that you know and are familiar with, mm-hmm. they don't apply the same way when you go into this space. I think that's a really interesting and important thing when you're designing Something like this for D&D, you know, you want somebody to step into a place where they can't bring their sort of meta knowledge Mm -hmm. along and say, oh, okay, well, I've seen this trap before. I know it's a DC 15 to get through it or whatever. You want to be able to kind of trip up your players by subverting their expectations. Mm -hmm. You know, I think actually a really interesting way to do this would be, you know, have your in, in one session, have your players visit um, you know, someplace, you get into a fight in just somebody's backyard garden or whatever, and everything <laughs> seems to be going normally, right? You solve some type of... get into of... a fight at someone's barbecue. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, you, you go full world star on them. Um, get, uh, get into some kind of altercation or challenge or whatever in a space like this. Then in the next session or in the next adventure, they go into a very similar space and they try to solve this problem the same way and it doesn't give them the same result, mm-hmm. right? So they, that kind of teaches you, oh my God, like I can't just rely on what I've known all along. I have to sort of poke and prod mm-hmm. the, you know, the seams of this world and see if something kind of gives, what yeah. what works the same way, what works differently. Well, exactly. I like the idea too, that maybe if, you know, un- unfortunately, unfortunately, it feels like most parties always have someone who's like magically inclined, Yeah. but I like the idea yeah. of, you know, a party that maybe doesn't have really a magic strong a strong magic user yeah and they're in you're trapped in this garden and the people are like i don't understand like i'm a great navigator why can't i get out that should be north and someone who's there is like it's a magical garden like you can't leave that way for sure yeah you have to it's like almost like the labyrinth that sarah has to run through in the movie labyrinth yeah you know it's like oh you're not looking at it right (laughs) (laughs) absolutely Or, or the lost woods in legend of zelda how there's there's a specific path you have to take that is fixed every time and there are there are 
sub kind of subliminal clues mm-hmm. that you can if you notice them it will guide you out of the garden in the lost woods i think a great example is as you're walking through you have to follow the music right mm-hmm. so every room you go into there's four exits and the wrong exits you, the music won't get louder as you move towards them but the correct exit as you get nearer to the door the music kind of swells and you know oh this is the the safe path Very right cool, yeah so having other little breadcrumb trails so to speak for your party i think is an important part of if you are going to design something like this that is a maze you need to mm-hmm. find some way to represent that correct path some other sense to sort of engage yeah which can be really tricky if you're you know if you're just using theater of the mind mm-hmm. right so um you know as a dm something i might do is rely on on maybe music right as my players are making correct choices I'll have Bardley up or something like that, and I'll turn slowly turn the volume of the music up as they're doing things correctly, or slowly turn the volume down as they're cool. doing things incorrectly. That would be neat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like the idea of um, if you just wanted to be like a big jerk as a DM, uh, <laughs> like no matter what direction your players choose, you always keep bringing them back to the same spot. Yeah, it's like, ah, yeah. oh, look, here's that old man at the well again, and you're like, God damn it! <laughs> like we've been going in circles. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, well, okay, that's that's a couple really good inspirations. I'll just through a few others that I had here. I've got um, two more too, cool, so we cool, can just do more. a little lightning. All right. So one that I think would be interesting to talk about or to base a location on would be the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, real sort of mythical actual place that was built in, I think I, I think it was in Iran uh, initially, that it was... It just was this incredible, you know, feat of engineering that all of these plants could be you know, gathered from all over the world and grown in a location that is not their, you know, their native area or native climate and the the irrigation and hydroponics and all that stuff that went into it for the time was like one of the most advanced, uh, you know, feats, feats of engineering in the world. I yeah. think that's so cool. Very um, cool. Such a shame that that doesn't exist. Uh, if, if it ever did, you know, who knows? Like, yeah. I, I think that's just so interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I also really like the poppy field in The Wizard of Oz. I was thinking about that too. Yeah. I think yeah. that's a cool example of a, a garden or a garden-like space just being used as an obstacle, right? Mm-hmm. Similar to the way a labyrinth could kind of be used. It's just something you have to get from one side of it to the other. Mm-hmm. And whether that obstacle is kind of a navigational sort of spatial issue or if it is maybe a more magical thing maybe you have to make a constitution save to not you know be lulled into a slumber yeah um i think thinking about different ways to make traversing a space difficult can be really fun you know and explaining that is like oh well it's the the spores from these mushrooms that grow in the garden or oh it's the pollen from Mm -hmm. the you know the poppy flowers or oh it's the you know when you look at these these plants are the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. You've never seen a flower so gorgeous. You're drawn in unless you can resist its, its like siren-like call. Venus flytrap yeah. thing waiting to snap you. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, what do you got? Some of the other two that I had real quick, um, I thought of, I don't know if this counts really, but Laputa's core, um, oh, yeah. the center of the floating island of Laputa in Castle in the Sky. We've checked off our Tolkien and our Miyazaki box Exactly. Now, so I kept <laughs> I kept thinking of Miyazaki when I was trying to brainstorm this because I I just picture all of the beautiful like plant life that he's yeah. always like drawing and illustrating. Well, who better to, you know, draw inspiration from if we're talking about kind of a naturalistic focus? I mean, all of his movies have that yeah, sentiment exactly. at their core. They're all about kind of conservationism and man versus nature and, yeah. and things like that. I love that. I always thought the scene in uh, when they get to Laputa's center, the way that that like bad guy, and I can't remember his name, but he's so pissed about the fact that there are these roots everywhere and all the yeah. bugs that are flying around his face because like nature has just kind of grown back, which yeah. is like what it's supposed to be. It's just supposed to be this big tree, and but you know, the people built the city around it. So um, I love his kind of anger and the way that nature is kind of defying him there yeah. in the center of this power source yeah. that he's been after. Uh, but then my last thing I have to talk about um, A Little Chaos which is yes. a wonderful movie with Kate Winslet and it was actually directed by Alan Rickman he stars in it too it was his last film I believe before he died I don't know about that but maybe th- um, I'm pretty positive it was okay yeah. but yeah no it's all about gardens it's about the building of the uh, gardens at the castle of Versailles or the yeah. palace of Versailles yeah. and Kate Winslet uh, she plays a gardener and she's brought in to design a outdoor ballroom Yeah, uh, it's really cool they talk all about plants and horticulture and <laughs> you know dealing with trauma after losing a child and all that great stuff yeah you know the kind of stuff you want to be thinking about in, in your ballroom <laughs> it's beautiful i love it it really is a, it's a delightful movie it's very it's just kind of peaceful and 
calm and and methodical it's not like a big if you want to watch something kind of relaxing mm-hmm. even in spite of it's you know somewhat like you said kind of deal with trauma like the subject material can sometimes be a little bit dire but mm-hmm. i thought it was a very relaxing and and it's just soothing film. It I was agree. nice. Yeah, it's yeah. a very good period piece drama. Yeah. Yeah. It was wonderful. Yeah. Um, the other one, so actually talking about Miyazaki, mm-hmm. the the sort of man versus nature thing there, the other example that I always think of, the one little clip in Princess Mononoke when Eboshi is trying to shoot the forest god, she mm. finally finds him and she goes to shoot and the plants have grown up over her gun yeah, and so she's cool. like, why won't you die? And the plants <laughs> are trying to like fight against her. Like a literal personification of man or woman versus nature right uh i think that's such a great little scene in that um i in my opinion i I mean i know spirited away is the movie of his that got best animated picture and uh, in my opinion i think mononoke is his masterpiece personally but they're all really good it's like saying you know i don't know i'd rather have spanish doubloons versus italian (laughs) florins golden florins or something you know like it's they're all like wonderful treasures i was gonna say that common comparison I don't know. I was trying to think of some like shape, like a gold brick versus a gold nugget. I don't know. <laughs> um, so yeah, that that's uh, goes through most of my list here. Just the last two things: Darkroot Garden from Dark Souls, a nasty, terrible garden that you run through, and there's a hydra at the end that waits to murder you, mm. um, and giant crystal monsters. The Greenway from Hollow Knight. Mm. Um, I love games that are kind of dark and spooky and dire that have beautiful spaces in them because it kind of tricks you you're sort of it, like i was saying earlier about subverting expectations everywhere you go in hollow Knight, you're kind of worried about something jumping out and killing you and then you find the greenway and it's just this beautiful peaceful calm garden mm, yeah. you know like going the other direction with those expectations Definitely. is also a fun thing and the last one is poison ivy's greenhouse um, oh, totally. or wherever the heck poison ivy is hanging out currently uh just she has a bunch of crazy plants there <laughs> whether it's a greenhouse or whether she takes over the zoo or whether she is just out in the woods or something like that yeah um having a bunch of weird dinosaur plant hybrids or whatever the heck it is that <laughs> she's doing at any given time is really really fun awesome yeah so that's what i got piper i think that now we're ready to create yeah, our own gardens brings us, yeah to, to our own gardens yeah. um mm-hmm. welcome to my garden. How does your garden grow, Piper? Well, uh, so am I getting the first prompt or are you? Uh, you should take it, Okay, I think. Okay. My word is lying. Lying. Ooh. Yeah. And I've been, as we've been talking, I've been drawn to this idea of a garden. I liked the idea of one that is maybe so large and dense that you can get lost in there. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like... But I also like the idea of a garden being sort of like a prison. Yeah. Um, And I think I want to create a garden that, you know, maybe the garden is this beautiful prison for somebody who they committed this horrible crime. Uh, Let's let's set this in a fantasy setting. Um, Perhaps this person was a like maybe a potion maker or a vizier or something like that to like a king and a queen or something. And they were caught doing like trying to usurp the throne and cause all this, all these problems. Did he make potions? In a traveling show? <laughs> no, okay. he did not. He did it but, right but, there in the castle. But then castle. again, no. <laughs> <laughs> you jerk. <laughs> um, and so I think for whatever reason, you know what, maybe this, um, maybe this vizier, this advisor, this potion maker and candlestick maker, yeah. <laughs> maybe this guy, maybe he was like brother to the king, right? Yeah. Maybe he was like the younger brother or something. Yes. So his, his eldest brother became king. He became his kind of advisor and he was caught trying to usurp him and do all this stuff but the the brother who was king he still loved his brother and he's like i can't sentence you to death you're my family i love you and i feel like there must be good inside you still i will banish you to this garden and you must if you can find your way out of it then i know that you will then have learned your lesson and you're ready to return to me i like that uh so i think though cuz i think the the king who who sentenced this who gave the sentence he is you know very hopeful and optimistic but yeah he thinks his brother is going to overcome this challenge deep down and, yeah. no way the yeah. brother is like super evil and yeah. he only resents his brother for like sending yeah. him away and he's he spends his entire time in the garden being plotting to like you know return and take over and yeah. stab his brother in the back so is this a garden that on the palace grounds or is it off somewhere out in 
you know, Siberia or wherever. I think it's, I kind of like the idea of it literally just being in the backyard and they're like, whenever you get out of there, yeah. you can, the throne is waiting for you. You can come hang out with us again. Exactly. Yeah. I think kind of taking inspiration from Palace of Versailles, it does like, I think the gardens were one of the, the many things that this king invested in to kind yeah. of show like the... The grandeur, the grandeur exactly yeah. of his rule <laughs> and this incredible garden which is so huge i think at one point maybe his court was like is it wise to put this man in here sir what if someone finds him and the king is like the garden is so large i'll place him at one end and no one will ever yeah. get there to so like think, find him yeah i think that's that poses an interesting hook for an adventure here is that maybe there was someone that was loyal to the brother, right? The, the brother was planning to usurp the throne. He clearly had to have had allies in court that thought, no, you're right. You should be on throne on the throne. Your older brother, he doesn't know what's up. He's too kind and, and soft-hearted. Mm -hmm. So when this younger brother is banished to the garden, one of his allies says, I got to find somebody to help get him out of here. And they go and find your party and they say, there's this forbidden garden. No one's allowed in it. It's a, it's a place where we trap those who have wronged us, right? Mm -hmm. But I can show you the back door to get in. If you can help the, this brother find a way out, we will give you a place on our court. So you have to kind of navigate this yeah. this labyrinth and you know maybe the brother has been in here for so long at this point it's sort of like like robin williams coming out of jumanji he's kind of <laughs> lost it right so there's just this strange specter that's kind of haunting this this garden maybe he's forgotten that he even needs to get out see right? i had some other yeah. thoughts about um you know his his motives and the way yeah. that i incorporate the word lying into this yeah I, I had some ideas with that too but it's your prompt so go ahead yeah so i like the idea that um when your party meets him you know he he knows that he's supposed to like play a good guy otherwise why would you help this person right yes so he lies to you the entire time you interact with him he's yeah. like oh no i'm just a poor weary traveler who's been trapped in this garden forever but i know it better than anyone so if you need help getting out i can probably help you just take me with you when we go yeah uh things like that but i think the garden is magical in every time he lies it makes it harder and harder for him to leave i was it closes exact, another gate like was, another door yeah. shuts or a wall grows higher so the only way that he could ever get out is to admit what he did wrong yes but he'll never do that because he's just lying himself into a deeper and deeper maze that's that's exactly what i was thinking thinking is it's the yeah. kind of place where when you tell the truth mm -hmm. the path is revealed to you that you know the truth is revealed to you right yeah. truth begets truth mm -hmm. right and lies beget only more confusion and obfuscation and and darkness yeah i love that yeah and i think that's something you can easily apply to the players too if you put your players in this location mm -hmm. and you prompt them to kind of role play with each other especially if it's a group that you know maybe they've just kind of connected with each other they don't know each other very well yet they haven't revealed all of their deep dark backstories mm -hmm secrets to each other every time they lie they would suffer some type of penalty either something would attack them or they would you know they, they would get further lost in the maze the they flowers would, yeah. would sprout more thorns yes exactly the, the garden becomes more aggressive exactly whereas when you first came in it was lots of like sunshine and birds and beautiful plants yeah. but the more that you lie and the more you engage with this this fellow liar yeah. <laughs> who's trapped here you you're know, a liar you lie you lie <laughs> it's more like bramble and toxic plants and the jungle it becomes more of a jungle it's darker and it's harder and yeah. denser and harder to get through i think this would also be a really a really valuable tool as a dm to kind of prompt your players mm -hmm. to start kind of explaining who they are to each other right yeah. you know a lot of times it can be really difficult when you have say you have five players in your party and they've all spent all this time coming up with this really complicated dark backstory that you really don't often have an opportunity to talk about organically, mm -hmm. right? Unless you're just sort of like, my parents were killed by the king, you know, like you're just right? blurting that kind of thing out yeah. at any time. Um, I think if you put your players in a situation where you have to tell each other some type of truth about yourself to escape from this place, mm -hmm. that forces them to kind of confront these these things that they may not necessarily want to confront publicly yet. Yeah. I think that can lead to some really, really interesting interaction. And it isn't just saying, all right, so you're in a in a tavern and you've run out of things to talk about. You've got <laughs> a, a nagging memory in the back of your mind about all of your past traumas. Maybe you should share that. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I think that that works a lot better. No, definitely. I agree. Um, I like the idea, too, that this 
this good-hearted king on the outside because I think his brother has been there for many, many years. Yes. And I, yes. I like the idea that he struggles with his decision to banish him. And I bet there have been many times when he's like, you know what? No, I'm going to I'm gonna go in there and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull him out. I'm sure he's learned yeah. his lesson by now. And his wife or his advisor or whatever who's there is like, if he had learned his lesson, he would be out of the maze. He would have gotten out of the garden. Yeah. You can't release this man. But he's like, well, maybe I was too harsh. Maybe I should go and get him. <laughs> no, and it doesn't even matter because he's just an insane person now. <laughs> He's just completely lost his mind from being stuck in this garden for years and years and years. In fact, I like the idea of maybe it was the king himself. Uh, maybe he like disguised himself in, in, in peasant clothing and he went to a tavern. He hired yeah. you and it's just this mysterious oh. guy. But it was actually the king who's like, you know, I'm worried about my brother and I want you to go check on him and make sure he's still alive. Okay. I actually love that. Yeah. Um, I think that's really cool that he can't he, because he can't look weak in front of his subjects. Right. right. Um, and he also can't really he can't just like let his brother die there mm-hmm. because he misses his brother. He he wants to make it look like his brother got out and learned his lesson and yeah. then will deal with whatever the consequences of that are because I just miss my brother so much. Exactly. You know? Yeah. I think, I think he pays really you. Cool. He's like, find my brother, lead him out. That would be so... And then to see where that goes. When he mm-hmm. comes out, does he say, you piece of shit, I'm going to stab you. Exactly. You know, you trapped me in this for, for 12 years. Or does he say... I've learned my lesson. Thank you for letting me out. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, depending on how capricious of a DM you are, you can decide which direction to go with that. You know, what maybe suits your party's adventuring style, what would be more fun. But I think either of those would be really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. He turned himself into a snake because you know I love snakes. Because he knows I love snakes. So I picked it up to admire him and then he transformed back. He's like, ha, it's me. And he stabbed me. I love that movie so much. (laughs) It's so good. Uh, Okay. That's a great little story there, Piper. Should we move on to my prompt word here? Yes, we should. Okay. What do you got for me? Sam, your word is jagged. Jagged. Ooh, okay. So yeah, conjuring up images of thorns and and things like that. But I think actually more than that, uh, you know, like I was saying about a rock garden, I think it'd be kind of cool if it was a garden that wasn't made of sort of traditionally soft and green and lovely things. If it was like jagged crystals and things like that that grow up. I think if this is... Maybe this is a garden that surrounds a wizard's tower. That this is... Kind of like I was talking about with the witchery mod, where he draws all of his magic from. He grows all of these great crystals, and maybe maybe the crystals grow out of like other other magical entities that he's defeated in battle, where they fall. I was gonna say a great like they grow bouquet from of crystals. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Ooh, these, cool. these corpse crystals, the corpse crystal garden. That would make uh, him... the corpse crystal conservatory. Dude, That's I like it. it. Yeah. Ooh, I can see like a really <laughs> creepy thing um, of him being like, "I must feed my plants." You will be the bed for many a beautiful flower. Yes. Lay down and die and let the flowers bloom from your soul and your essence. I love that. And and depending on, you know, who or what the source of the crystal was, it will take on different shapes and colors and things like that. So it is like a like a garden in that way. You could walk through it and see this beautiful variety of of different types of crystal in the same way you'd see roses and lilacs and daffodils and tulips in a in a greenhouse. What do you think about this? Um, so you know that classic like spore that uh, kind of makes zombies out of ants? Yeah, the cordyceps. And it convinces spore, yeah. them to, yeah, like climb up high so they can grow from them? Yeah. What do you think about maybe these crystals have, they give off sort of like almost a hypnotic kind of aroma? Like that. They have sort of a so, hum, maybe. They resonate. Yeah, so yeah. maybe if you're of not strong enough will, if you walk through this garden, these crystal plants can convince you essentially to like lay down so they can like grow on top of yeah, you. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah, the, I, the garden having sort of a will of its own Mm -hmm. i think is cool so yeah i I guess then what i would want to talk about here is maybe this this wizard or wizardess or you know whoever is in this tower are they trying to do this maliciously or are they maybe just so kind of obsessed with magic that they say oh no whatever the cost i will pay it right and they don't realize that they've you know they don't look out their window often right Mm -hmm. to see the forest for the trees so to speak like what hell hath they brought upon the world here without even really realizing. Um, I think that would be an interesting thing that you have to get through this. You know, maybe this was a once well-respected and kindly mage that they... They did all of these things to help the people of the nearby villages and, you know, th- across the kingdom, but they became so consumed by their work mm-hmm. that they let this sort of evil kind of take over them. Maybe not even evil, just this... I, I feel like this is kind of a neutral force. They yeah. just aren't thinking about anything but their work anymore. And so you're sent in by someone who says, 
there used to be this wizard who could help anyone. And, you know, my father is dying of a disease that I know magic can save him, but we don't possess that magic. You need to go and find this wizard and convince him to once again leave his tower and come and help us. And so you have to get through this crystal you know, the the corpse crystal conservatory, right? You have to get through this horrifying place and get to the wizard and literally just have them open their eyes and say, look what's out there. You're you're no longer helping people. All of your efforts, they've they've turned to destruction, whether you knew it or not. So I've got some thoughts on that too. I love that idea. Yeah. I like the idea of this whole kind of like neutral thing and yeah. the person being obsessed with their work is that maybe you know, they love what they do, but they realize that it is harmful. So maybe either when they've discovered that they won, either, you know, chased everyone away. Yeah. They're like, everyone, you have to get out of here. It's not safe for you. Or they took their work and they went out to a far away location. And that's where they set up their garden because they went there because like, I don't want anyone to get hurt by what I'm doing, but I also just want to keep working on this. Yeah. Yeah. So when someone comes through and they see you and they're like, what are you doing here? It's not safe. I came yeah. out here for a reason. I like that. I, I think the the level of awareness mm-hmm. of this wizard would be kind of the key part of this, yeah. right? If you want to say, no, the wizard is doing this on purpose. They just, mm-hmm. they became jaded. They said, they no matter- jagged? How, yes, exactly. Jagged and jaded. <laughs> uh, no matter how much they tried to help people, there was always another problem and they just got sick of trying to deal with it mm-hmm. all the time, right? So they said, I'm just going to focus on my magic. Screw you guys. I'm, I'm becoming a hermit. Or if, yeah, if they did- altruistically try to say the things that I have to do to solve the problems of the world, they create more problems. They create a danger, right? Mm -hmm. I need to go off somewhere that I can't, I, people won't be near me Mm -hmm. because every time I save one person, I let another one fall, right? Because that's the cost of, of this magic that I use. And until I can find a way to save people without harming others, I need to go and live on this secluded island where just me and my crystals can grow and not harm anyone. I like it. I like that a lot. I think both are really cool. Yeah. I also have a fun visual that came to mind, um, which obviously you can say yes or veto. Um, But so if being around these crystal plants, it kind of like hypnotizes you and convinces you to let them grow on you. I think this wizard would obviously, since they're studying this, they would know that and they would be taking like a kind of uh, anti-toxin to kind of uh, push back the effects of that. But when you meet them, there are little traces of it growing on them. And maybe even this whole like, you know, you talked about them being so focused on their work. Maybe even they have a few plants almost like crystal mushrooms that have sprouted on either side of their eyes. I love that. And they're like literal blinders. Yeah. So it's like they're right there growing out of their temples. <laughs> this, this visual storytelling. Oh yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It's like, it's like, no, they have these blinders on, but they're literally just like these things that are growing out of their head. So I love the idea of, let, let's talk about the visual mm-hmm. aesthetic of, of this because I, I just pictured like big crystal eyebrows or something <laughs> is, is what I imagine. But actually I think uh, to bring this into Dark Souls again here, which we obviously have to do, mm-hmm. there is a set in Dark Souls 1, a set of armor and weapons called the the crystal set right and it's kind of similar to this um the the dragon seeth the scaleless he was researching crystal magic which is like it's just a, a school of magic essentially in in the dark souls universe right and a lot of the experiments that seeth did he would experiment on the undead and all these crystals would kind of grow out of them and the equipment that they have it's very very powerful but it's very fragile so there are, there is a you know a crystal sword and a crystal shield and they're incredibly effective for a very, very short period of time. It's sort of like the candle that burns the brightest burns out the quickest or mm-hmm. whatever, right? Um, and I really like that idea that all of the, something about all of the artifacts that are created here have these kind of crystals growing out of them and it mm-hmm. makes them more potent in the moment, but they can shatter if, you know, if just a sound of the right frequency is uttered, it will shatter them like glass, right? Yeah. Um, and that would be, yeah, that would be a cool thing that they would have this really, extravagant and fine um you know kind of like gilded robes like gold thread woven into it and little gems that were once just kind of inlays mm-hmm. have grown into these large sort of spiky crystals they've kind of yeah. it, it, it's taking over uh what this this wizard kind of looks like absolutely and i'm picturing because we just um just the other night you played a little bit of dark souls 3 yeah uh, which i think is really fun to watch and oftentimes i love with the way that the like these 
bosses, the way their yeah. bodies have mutated, it kind of becomes armor in different ways. You're talking about like the crystal lizard? Well, we thought, that yeah, or yeah, yeah, but like if this guy, if let's say you determine in your session that he is a villain and your party engages them in combat, then yeah, if he has these jagged crystals growing out of him or her, then that could be, yeah, a kind of thing you have to it's hard to get through. You can't yeah. get close to them because yeah. they have this kind of physical armor. I think that could be an interesting mechanic too, that these crystals are preventing you from fighting. You know, maybe this guy is just like a level, like one wizard. He's got like 10 hit points or something like that, right? He's really weak, but you can't hit him until you clear away all the crystals that are sort of blocking it. Mm -hmm. And every time you shatter a crystal, the magical energy from inside of it is released. So you shatter one crystal and it strikes you with a bolt of lightning and you shatter another crystal and a poison mist seeps out of it. And you shatter another crystal and the earth opens up in a great earthquake, right? Mm -hmm. Like you have, you kind of are, it's it's reacting to you essentially yeah. and so you have to get through all of these all of these sort of elements of crystal mm-hmm. um you gotta you gotta crack all the rock candy off of this little <laughs> string of a man um and uh once you get there you just punch him in the mouth and he's he's down for the count you know totally. yeah. i think that'd be a fun mechanic that it's kind of unpredictable you don't really know it's it's not about what spells does this guy have it's like what is every element he could have possibly harnessed in the last hundred years, hundred years or whatever of his career? Because any aspect of that could be unleashed upon us when we shatter any of these crystals. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. One last thing that I want to add, unless obviously you can no, no finish up with things too. I thought of this the, as soon as I gave you the prompt. I like the idea that in like a comical scenario, there'd be one party member who's constantly, I don't know, just like forgetting that the plants are not like normal, like soft plants, but they're very sharp. And so they're constantly like, ooh, ow. Yeah. It's like, stop touching them. And it's like, they're so pretty. And you just keep no, getting like scratched. Totally, totally. Like they, they've saved, made their save to not be beguiled by them, but only just barely. So right. they keep noticing them and be like, ooh, that looks nice. Oh, fuck, ow. Exactly. I or you, like, you back up and you run into like a tree and you're like, ow, yeah. God. <laughs> like, you turn to see them and there's like one tuck, there's a little thin crystal tucked behind their ear and you're like take that off that's not good for you don't do that <laughs> like these are trying to grow in your body and you're like oh sorry but it looks so nice yeah no I think that would be fun every step is just like ow, ooh, ow yeah. ooh, ah, fuck this place this garden sucks I think a cool thing to do too I mean this would be maybe an interesting way to kind of reward the party after you overcome all of this you know you defeat this wizard you find a way to stop this creeping corruption essentially and you are granted this power of crystal reactivity. Maybe your plate wielder, your, your plate mail armor wearer, uh, they grow crystals all over your armor. So whenever someone strikes you in combat, it would be kind of a similar reaction um, it, to, a, to a lesser degree, right? Yeah. Like every time someone strikes you, they have a chance to take either, you know, 1d4 of fire, lightning, ice, or like kinetic damage or something like that. I think that would be really interesting. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, cool. Cool, these cool. are two cool gardens. I agree. I like them a lot. One that traps you if you lie, and one that <laughs> grows crystals from the corpses of yes. anything. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> I like it a lot. I, I like that somehow we've made that into what could be a positive or a negative thing, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. There actually, now that I think about it, there is a storyline in Dark Souls 1 where uh, Zygmire, the onion guy, mm-hmm. he gets trapped inside of a crystal or his daughter gets trapped inside of a crystal i think and you free her um and uh yeah that's yeah there's i guess we're not as original as we thought (laughs) (laughs) no i think this is cool and i yeah i like both of these i think we should leave these where they're at agreed uh and release them out into the world for our lovely listeners yeah like a flock of swallows exactly um so if you do like any of these creations and you want to give us your your thoughts uh, your feedback, any ways that you've used them to enhance your worlds or anything like that. Piper, where could our listeners go to go and do that? Oh boy, it's been a, li- a while. Yeah, do you remember Let's still? Let's see if I yeah, can do I it. I don't remember how to do anything on this podcast. <laughs> I'm surprised we've made it this far. Um, well, if you want to uh, contact us, you can always find us on Twitter. We are at WorldForgePod. Uh, you can also send us lengthy emails full of uh, praise or critique. Uh, we are WorldForgePod at gmail.com. Absolutely. And if you want to be an absolute dear and support this show you can leave us a review on your podcasting platform of choice um apple podcasts leaving a five-star rating and a nice little comment there it just it makes our day and it also helps get our podcast in front of new listeners Mm -hmm. so doing that or just sharing
sharing with a friend. If you have a DM that you think needs a little bit of inspiration or a player that's <laughs> trying to make a new character and just doesn't have any ideas. Uh, if you have a DM who sucks at their job <laughs> yeah. and you're like, guess what? These stories are Snorfest. Send them our way. DM rehab. That's what we're all about. Uh, yeah, we would love to, to help out. But I think on that note, it's time to pop over into the next segment of the show here the next new room in our new house oh the, the rec, rec room. room we should have a dedicated rec room we just pop into the other room we, we could just go in your closet i guess there you go that's the rec room yeah in there with all my cosplays yeah, and dresses exactly the perfect location <laughs> um the rec room this week is focused on another podcast that i've been listening to a lot in kind of our little brief hiatus here and that is podcast hosted bear our dear friends the brothers pym society uh otro mundo I have just been binging the heck out of this show over the last few weeks. I've been working really crazy long hours at work uh, and then coming home and uh, working crazy long hours on assembling our house, basically. So it's been a nice little respite to have Otro Mundo as a source of just kind of fun and relaxation, getting to listen to someone else's podcast <laughs> to, to this like volume of, of listenership is not something that I get that often anymore, I feel. And so I've, I've really enjoyed over the last few weeks uh, getting caught up on their show. It is a historical magic, like it's an alternate history, but based on real history of the 17th century Caribbean. And so there's all this kind of sort of spooky Call of Cthulhu type kind of eldritch magic, but mm -hmm. also, you know, it's kind of steeped in like pirate superstition. And there are a lot of, you know, the, the places they go to are real places with real historical figures. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it's just a wonderful show. Um, it's a perfect balance, in my opinion, also of like kind of serious drama and humor. And it isn't really bogged down by crunch. You know, they, they developed a system based on blades in the dark that is specific for their campaign. Yeah. And they do a really great job of sort of streamlining that and not bogging it down in just constantly talking about numbers and dice rolls and things like that. So if that's not really your vibe, then this is a great show for you. If you still want to get actual plays without having to, having to deal with all the mathiness of it. So mm -hmm. yeah. I, I just think it's a wonderful show. Uh, please go and check them out there. They were wonderful guests when they came on a few months back. We would love to have them on again. So if you're listening, guys, give me a, give me a, a little drop me a DM here on Twitter. <laughs> we want to set something up again. But, um, in the uh, meantime, you listeners, please go and listen yeah. to Ultra Mundo. And my recommendation is if you want to get the best real world experiences from uh, for your own garden uh, in D and D or go otherwise, dig a hole in the dirt. Yeah, go out and <laughs> and plant a garden. Do some work with little planties. Yeah. We've been having a lot of fun picking plants for our house. Oh my god! And yeah. we've oh, we should tell them about the names. We should tell of them about our beautiful our plants. plants. Oh, we, the first thing we bought for this house was a big old rubber tree. Yeah, we and we him, named him Dracula. Named Dracula, yeah. And then we That's got great. three boys. Yeah plant boys Dracula to hang out boys. with him so now we have dracula and the boys yeah and then sam found another cool plant another beautiful plant we named him muldoon after after muldoon from jurassic park because yeah. he's got a khaki stem he looks like he's wearing khakis and he also <laughs> looks like he belongs in jurassic park he's just like muldoon jungle plant i love our house i yeah. love our plant-filled house exactly um, just start getting yeah. plants talk to your plants every day they love that Absolutely. give them names yes give them names yeah. write stories about them maybe that's something we should do sometime sam for another Ooh. episode is we just take random plants from our house <laughs> and we create characters or adventures based around said plants. That's great. Dracula, uh, Muldoon, the boys. I'll, I'll post some pictures of some of our wonderful plants here on Twitter as well. So you can see if you want to create fan fiction about our plants, about what do Dracula and Muldoon get up to when Piper and I are at work? We're busy. <laughs> uh, we'd love to hear about that. So. Yes. Yeah. Uh, thank you though, listeners. I think that draws this episode to a close. Uh, Indeed. What a wonderful note to leave it on here. Thank you so much for bearing with us during our, our sort of on again, off again, last couple weeks yeah, here. We um, appreciate the flexibility. Yeah, we've we've uh, re-released a few of some of our favorite episodes from the past couple months here, and we're really happy to get to do so, but we're even more happy to be back in the studio with a regular recording schedule. So uh, yeah. we will continue to do so. We love you all. We will be back here again next week, and goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.